Okay, please uh, check your email next Matzah Shabbos, and Michael, maybe send one out one way or another, uh, just to uh, check whether there is sheer next Sunday. And this morning we'll go back to Perak Yud Aleph Pasuk Tes, and we'll begin the description of the negotiations, for lack of a better word, wonder, can you call negotiations a dialogue if there's really nobody on the other side? That's a question for Perikidolf and Shaftim, and it's been a question for a long time, and it's a question as we sit here today. And our main concern is what is Yiftach, who is doing this with his a sense of achrayas, of leadership, and he has people to ask. You'll see the message he sends is very, very on the mark. As we described in the introduction the last couple of weeks, uh, we're going to be hopefully showing all the milas and successes of Yiftach before we get to the issues, which are not small, but the victory is very large. And how he gets to it, and he sues for peace, so to speak, at least he tries. Does he know that they're not really interested? You have to try. And he wants to avoid a Muhammad, and he's ready to go to Muhammad, and he makes that clear as well. So... Picture the scene, if you will. There are a couple hundred thousand troops, whatever the number was, just Los Sabros waiting to attack. And they're in Avera Yardame, which is always a frontier, which is dangerous, surrounded by Goyim. It's not by Goyim in Yisrael also, but in the middle of Yisrael, you had the Plishtim, you had other issues, but not as naturally dangerous when you're a border town, you're the other frontier, you're separated somewhat from Klaizro. And Amon is threatening to invade. So Yiftach last week made a deal, the Zaskama between Yiftach and Zikne Gilad, and they offered him to be commander in chief. He said in order to have the clout and be able to effectively lead Klaesor and represent Klaesor, I have to be the leader. And that was a, a good point and the primary reason that he asked for the leadership. And now, again, Perikit Aleph, let's go back to Pasuk Tes. Notice how, despite the fact that for the rest of the parak, we're going to have negotiations and discussions, whose land is this, why are you attacking, why shouldn't you be attacking, he's not naive. He knows that this is probably going to become a war. So, if you appoint me, and I'm victorious. So notice how he even builds in 
the position of the Shefet. This is Shefet and Aklai Yisrael, just this area, not relevant right now. He's fighting for the uh, two and a half Shvatim, certainly in this Malkum. But he says, if I don't win, I'm not looking to be the Shefet. If he doesn't win, they have serious, serious issues. But he's not looking for power that's unequivocal. And it says here, Ferish Napasik, Venasan Hashem Asam Lafanai, then Anachi Eye Lachem Larosh. Yud, Vayemu Zikne Gilad, El Yifta, Hashem Yeshameh, Ben Asenem Loki, the Varcha, Kainasa. The reason they're emphasizing that is the original plan was to make him a commander, not the Shafet, not the leader. I'm using the word Shafet as in the list of Shafetim. And I'm emphasizing doesn't mean he was paskening the Shailas or should be or felt he should be. He's paskening the halachelech of how to lead Klai Yisrael in this matzav and will come with it when he's victorious, all the other administrative duties and things that come with leadership. It doesn't mean he thinks he's the type of shefet that's going to be the biggest gadol to tell you around. And he says it over again, says the Tanai Rashi says, it's called Dvarov to make it absolutely clear what the agreement was. And he comes to Mitzvah. What's the my love of Tanai Hashem and Mitzvah? Rashi says, Lamakam Kulam, Shashchina Shaira Al Rav Sibur. When Yidin are together, they agreed to meet there. You have Rav Minyan and Binyan of the two and a half Shvatim in this area. And he's going to ask Siat repeating the understanding, having them accept this leadership and agreeing to follow him and undertake this tremendous task. They're outnumbered. Whenever they start off, come out in any of these battles, they're severely outnumbered. And they're sort of asking for an ace in the event that they have to go to battle. So you can be sure, there's Telem here, there's Tila, but the Shechina, Shaira Al Rav Tzibur, the fact that there are so many people there and they agreed to come and they're agreeing to the Achta Shabai to do whatever they're about to do together and they understand the importance of it and the severity of the Matzav. He does not a minute later, lead them into battle. What are you doing here? Why are you about to invade? We would say in the vernacular and in the slang, what's your problem? As I mentioned, the fact that this is all ringing very contemporary not to equate the defenders to Klai Yisrael, Lahavdal, and the like, but somebody amasses this army to stand by your border, and it looks like they're about to invade. They're probably about to invade, and whatever you say is not really going to help much, but you have to try. So if he can settle this diplomatically, he's willing to do it, and he wants to know their... Taina, it's also important for him to be able to state that he tried and explaining why they have no right to come in. Of course, they're going to try to explain why they have every right and that they're taking what's theirs. And they're going to claim, you took our land. 
which is always going to be the claim in some form. The very strange historical backdrop that he's going to bring up right away. You see how capable he is in doing this, whether the Chachamim helped him write it, but he had a firm grasp of Chumish and of history and what was going on. It's been a few hundred years that they're here in Eretz Yisrael. Why are you waking up now? That's going to be a serious question, which of course they're not going to answer because they have no answer. But he's going to point it out. If you had an issue, why didn't you say it beforehand? And if you have an army, which they did, why don't you do something about it beforehand? So they didn't attack yet. They just have their army there. And he sent the shlichim to the palace of Melabene Amen, asking why he is about to attack. And he said, you took my land, and if, this is the conditions of uh, surrender, if you give them back peacefully, we're just going to come in and take over, but no one's going to get hurt. If anybody hears this year, later on in the day or in the week, just remind them we're reading Navi, not Lahavdal newspapers. Just in case all this sounds, because this is not Baruch Hashem in the last, uh, anybody is alive here in the last uh, number of decades. Uh, now this sounds familiar, but why would a country do this? This was standard fare, especially against the Yidden. And Amun on the map is a very large country. What do they need this for? That's sort of what he's asking. Why do you want to attack Eri? He says, you took it. They took it when they didn't take it, and they didn't take it recently, and it's ancient history, as you'll see soon in the Pesukim. So he sent Shluchim back. These three words, is already very bold on purpose, calculated b'miskaven. He wants Melech Amun to know that there is now a Shafit. Most of the time they lived, there was no official leader. They had their and they had the people passing the Shailas and had some administrative duties, but there was no one central leader. They didn't need it, Baruch Hashem. That is something Melach Amun would take advantage of, and he wants to send a message. Yiftach is going to say clearly, Kai Amar Yiftach, that's not Gaiva. It's there's somebody in charge now, and Yiftach's name was well known throughout the region as a very, very strong, brave person. So, he wants to send a message, uh, not to veil the threat, that I know a thing or two about fighting, and I'm in charge now, and if you don't back down, you're going to have to deal with me. That's not Gaivar. He's, uh, he's a big honor. He's the one who ran away from Achlikas. He's trying to run away from Achlikas now. So they make that diak, Kayim Ayiftach, and that was his maidla. He, uh, he gathered people at Mitzvah, one of his, some of us should say one of his tefillahs at mitzvah was to Akash Baruch Hu that I was ba'avold and they came and they asked Mechila and I forgave them and I joined them I agreed to become their commander in chief which fighting this battle is a very dangerous job 
And his tefillah to HaKadosh Baruch Hu was k'shem that I was Michael and I wasn't makbed on my covet even though I'm just a bus of Adam. Please HaKadosh Baruch Hu, the reason we're in trouble here is because we have many Averas and we're wanting in terms of Aschusim but we'd like to do tshuva even though we're only doing it right now triggered by the pressure. HaKadosh Baruch Hu, can you please take us back? That's a very powerful message which he used that sounds familiar from a very famous medrash. There was a very great tzaddikah who used that taina. What was her name? What does that quickly remind you of? No? There's not one, uh, I would say, uh, Rachel Imen? No? She's a boss of Adam, and uh, she was by right getting married, and she gave away, she put aside her covet and gave it away to her sister, not to embarrass her. So that, that taina was used when Klaes was going to Gullus, and it's used all the time to bring the Gullus. It's, it's a strong taina, the Kosh Baruch Hu, I'm just a boss of Adam, and I wasn't jealous. Why should you display any jealousy, kaviyachal, for Avodazar? There is no jealousy, a Kosh Baruch Hu has no jealousy of Avodazar. He doesn't want us doing Averis, but that taina can be used when you're meichel and you're covered. That's a schus. When you're down the kaschus, he spoke yesterday, Shalosh Shudas, you get down the kaschus, the Kosh Baruch Hu is down the kaschus. Shem does not have to down the kaschus. Hashem knows what our machshavas are. So whatever the concept means, it's certainly working with the media. You have the ability to make the taina that I am doing something that is normally above the human emotions in terms of dealing with the emotions and doing the right thing, and usually that's difficult. Nothing's too difficult, but it's difficult. And Yiftach uses this when he daven l'fnei Hashem b'mitzpah. And now when he's talking to Melech Amen, he uses his keiches as the de facto leader, like a Melech can't be Melech on his covet, Kai Amar Yiftach. We made an agreement internally with Klai Yisrael, we're doing tshuva, we're davening, and I know how to fight. He didn't tell him about the whole Ruchnius, but I'm telling you that's where he's coming from. And we're not afraid of you, and you shouldn't think of attacking, and just explain yourself, think about it, what are you doing? He's coming from a position of strength, which is going to give him a victory. He's coming, first and foremost, having... What clay is all together? The achlus and mitzvah, the davening and mitzvah, and the tshuva. And now he's doing the hishtadlus uh, on the ground, so to speak. So again, tesvav Notice how he puts it eretz mayav. Is the arguments he's going to make is the same answer? We weren't looking to conquer Ammon when we came out of Mitzrayim in the midbar coming to Israel. We weren't looking to conquer mayav. We actually sent them, as he will describe, messages clearly that we have an Isser to attack them. Hashem made an Isser. You can't even try to take it if you want. The Sugyan Gittin we've been on for a number of weeks about Muhammad, whether an Akum is allowed to fight a Muhammad Sashus and attack other nations. Klaisel certainly has a concept of a Muhammad Sashus. Sashai lives it only for Klaisel, but also for Klaisel. We spoke about the Machlekes. It's clear in Chumash, as you all remember, they had a special Isser to attack Amon and and they end up sitting on their land, as they're doing now, that's Melech Amon's Taina, and he's going to do a quick Chazara for him and for us, 
that we weren't looking to attack them and we were actually just walking by, minding our own business, willing to pay and buy all the Cokes and falafels on the way and you can make a lot of money. We made every offer in the world. And then Sikharad come to attack us. So we defended ourselves and we had to destroy them. Now we have the land. And it happens to be I'm gonna move Tir Basikhan, that's the whole Sukhan Gitten, is that they conquered it from you long before that. And we have nothing to do with you. So they're of course very self serving. Reading history that no, if you trace it back far enough, if you trace it back far enough, it belonged to other Mauritian. That's the key over here. So He's saying, this has nothing to do with you. We weren't even allowed to attack you. And the land we ended up conquering wasn't our first choice either. And that was taken from you beforehand. And that's why we mentioned the Chassam Sefer, who assumes that Goyim cannot fight a Mechamis Hashuz, has to agree, because the Gemara Gittin says that, and he deals with the Kasha. He says, it's Chal. Kenya Mechamas Chal. And they got it. And it's no longer under the Bailus of Amon and Mayav. And it now belongs to Sichan and Oig. It's Chabad Yevit. The Shailas, can they fight such a world of Can the Gaim fight the Gaim for an offensive battle to take over other countries? The Minigoys was yes, the Shailas was at Mutter. Minig, the Minigoys, they did a Vodazar also. Shailas is at Mutter, there is clearly Yasser. So again, Tesvav, Vayemela Kayama Yifta, Lalacha Yisrael's Eretz, Mayavis, Eretz Bene Amun, Ki, Tezayin, Baalaisa, Mimitzrayim. As we are traveling from Mitzrayim to Yisrael, Ve'elach Yisrael Ba'midbar Ad Yamsev Ve'yav Kadesha, Ve'yishloch Yisrael Malachim Amalach Edom Lemar. Ebrana Ba'artzecha, he's giving examples where we never wanted to conquer anybody in the way. We're supposed to go going to Yisrael, and we just had a lot of people and we're passing through, and we're willing to finance their tourist uh, attractions and all their restaurants and... Uh, cold drinks and buy it all and you'll make a lot of money and we'll finance the economy for the few days we're passing through. It'll be gewaldic for you and of course no one's interested. So Edom here is not the point of contention. He's bringing that as an example of what they did whenever they came to the edge of a border of a people and they're just passing through. Neither of them allowed it. Vayeshev Yisrael B'Kadesh. And now they're sitting in Kadesh. And Kosh Baruch tells them, they have to keep going around. Which is a um, tircha, but Hashem said that's the din, or that's the harosha right now. And they certainly weren't looking for any battle. Vayeshev Yisrael Yosef Es Eres Edom. They weren't allowed to fight and go through Edom either. And they didn't step one foot over the border. You test. Again, we'll walk through. We'll buy coke, food, supplies. And be very profitable. Lohemin is interesting. He didn't trust that Klai Yisrael was going to peacefully pass through without attacking. Did he really deep down mistrust that the Jews, I think the Yidden now, were known worldwide for being the Amashem, the Amanivcher? And it was clear that they were uh, 
medaktek bemitzvus, and they were following exactly what a Baruch Hu wanted. Lohem means that uh, he acted as if he didn't trust them. He's being paid a lot of money to be the guard at the edge of what will be greater Yisrael, not to let the Yidin in. So whatever they would have said, whatever guarantees they would have given, his job was not to let him in. I'm not trying to make him look good. That was, that's what he's being paid the big bucks for. And he didn't trust them. Lohemin, his answer was, I can't trust you. A little ridiculous, but he's going to attack and uh, he's going to do what he's paid to do and Klai is going to end up doing what they have to do. Lohemin, Sichan, it's Yisrael, Avra, Begulo, Vayesu, Sichan, it's Kalamoy, Vayachnu, Vayatsav, Yilochem, and Yisrael. And that battle, Baruch Hashem, was over very quickly. V'yitin Hashem, Elokei Yisrael, as he's pointing out, that you are an Ovid of Azar, Melech Amun, and you're going to be claiming your gods want to give it to you. So I'm quoting HaKosh Baruch Hu, the only true God, and it's very clear that he gave it to us. And we ended up conquering the whole area because they attacked us and we had to fight. This is Dava Pashatas, and we can't exactly advertise this at the UN, even though when Yidin came back, still in Gullis, even over there, but the Muslim that sort of understand, if you'd ask them why are the Yidin entitled to be in the former Yisrael, the very smart ones would say, if they're entitled, they certainly can't do it. It's not al and they can't form a government that is not following Jewish law. And if they say that, they wouldn't be wrong. But the ones who recognize that that area makes sense, as opposed to Uganda, would say, yeah, it says in the Bible that God gave it to them. That's true. Okay. But at this point in history, was it pushing the gula, salt of the gula, that's machlek uh, as we discussed at length in the separate cover. But the Umasailam who would read Chumash would understand this. He's just repeating what's obvious to the honest Goyim who are watching what was going on over the last 300 years from that conquest onward, the conquest of Israel, versus those who still hated the Yidin for existing and certainly for coming, and they're always willing to pick a fight, which is what's going on over here. So he's restating the obvious. Don't get your hopes up that Melech Amin is going to say, oh, thank you for that wonderful chazar. It's a great chazar. And just in five minutes, we chaz it over, oh, came out half of Chumash and the travels in the Midbar. He's going to say, you know, Taka, you didn't start that war, and it was only in self-defense, and they had conquered it from us a long time ago, and you're right, and we're going home. That's a wonderful ending to a story. That's not going to be the ending. And usually is not the ending. Again, he has to uh, try to open up the diplomatic channels first. So he asked him, he said, we conquered it. We call fair and square. And Hashem got it for us. We were not stronger than Sichon on paper at all. And it's ours. And why are you asking for it? Haloi. 
mentioned the name of one of his many gods. So that was the one that was in vogue then, so he quotes it. He says, you could take the things that your God gives you. Notice how uh, he says it, he doesn't want to give credence to the Avodah so He doesn't say the things that your God gave you. He says, if your God ever gives you something, we'll discuss it. Meanwhile, the only God gave us this, and therefore you don't belong here. So, even when he mentions it, he's careful. Machalat between the Asid and the Avram. So he's laying out the halachic parameters here and the history very clearly. And now, his next piece of Musar is that uh, you, Melech Amon, are kind of Johnny come lately. He says, Melech Mayav isn't even Bolak Ben Sipur. Afterwards, they lost the war. 300 years went by. They're not coming with any tainas. He says, What are you waking up now for? They didn't attack. He says, What are you doing here? He says, It's almost, we'd rather them admit, no, we just can't stand the Amman and we just want to, Machmalas, not kill everybody. It's almost like saying, Why don't you state your real purpose here? Don't say some ridiculous thing. It's your land, and it was your land, and, uh, and you're just sending the forces in because they're peacekeeping forces, and we're just going to make sure everybody behaves. And Why make up stories? Why don't you say what you really mean? The answer is, uh, Melech Haman, uh, wants to look politically correct for the international scenes. He has to say something. But Yiftach is pointing out, because Yiftach is very capable of saying this, he said... It makes no sense historically. You know what happened. I'm repeating what happened. This is a few hundred years ago, but the whole world admits this is what happened. The other nations that were conquered are not complaining, and why are you waking up now? So that's his beginning of a speech. He's not finished yet. Pasuk Chavav. B'Sheves Yisrael B'Cheshmim M'Naseh B'Ayrim M'Naseh B'Cholar M'Asher Al-Yidei Arnan Shlesh Me'ais Shana. And now he lays out the timeline. We've been here three centuries. And you never said a word. So if you're so right and you're so strong, why don't you attack beforehand? Rashi over here gives you the exact timeline. Klaistro and Yiftach has their leader. A very, very clear sense of history on the dating, exactly how long the end. Rashi goes through all the years of the Shaftim, we'll see the Rashi quickly. It's a very wonderful Chazara. We're already up to Perik Yedalef. In Shaftim, of what transpired, and he and the rest of Klai Yisrael were very aware, as they should be, of their history. They learned the beginning of Shaftim. That wasn't exactly out yet. And he tells Melech Haman, he says, why you bring this up now? The answer is, you didn't bring it up before because you know you're wrong. Take a look at Rashi Shalish Me'ez Shana, the second of Maschon Chavov. Mishikashu is Eretz Me'ez Yeshua, Ad Yiftach, Mikan Yesh Lomud, Shnei Sashetun Eskarm Ad Hena, Im Shnei Ashibut Shakol Uma Nimnim B'Sachim Eha Shefet. Remember, we always had the Shefet coming to turn things around and have them do tshuva and daven and bring them to battle. And then it would say, and afterwards, they'd tell us quiet for 40 years, often including the Yemei Shibud in that time. That's what Rashi's referring to. 
So sometimes yes, sometimes not. Shanidi b'seid da'elam Yeshua pianist is Yisrael esem v'shemayin hashana emli mikra mimi lomud. But we know this from the seid da'elam. The seid da'elam is giving you the overview on, from the Messiah on what the timing was. Asniel arbaim shana shnei shibis shalkushim v'shasayim b'chlalam acharav eid shemaynim shana. That's a long, Baruch Hashem, a long period to be shefet. Eid ben Geira. Shmanes reishanim shibud shel eglon b'seichem haremeya v'arbim b'shmanes shana dvera arbim shana. It's a very quick chazara, but these are chunks of time and pieces of their history that they knew very clearly and remembered it. He's just spelling it out for the international uh, peacekeeping forces so they should know what's going on over here and to give the Chazara to Ammon, even though Ammon probably was fully aware of this. Shnei Shibud Yavim, B'Seichem Ramev Shemaynim Shana. Shemaynim Shemaynim. Acharov Shevashtam Shal Shibud Midjin, Bam Shal Gidin, Shalosh Shal Avi Melech. Interesting. And we had that Machlech Zishayim, Avi Melech Bechlau, included in this list. It's not Murchi, you have to include him as a Shefei, but that was a period of time when he was the fellow sitting behind the desk. They were half years. So Amon had been harassing them and pressuring them for a long time. Now they're threatening to come in and take over, which is why Akash Baruch has Rachamim at this point, and Yiftach is asked to be Shefet. So that's a snapshot of the Chazar of the first 11 Prokim, and we're still in his uh, document, which they probably said the synopsis Balpeh when the delegation was sent, but he wrote it up as well. And he ends the message, as you clearly see, I spelled it out, 300 years, never said a word, because you knew it wasn't yours. We took it over only because we had to fight, and we didn't even take it from you. And I did nothing wrong, we did nothing wrong, and you're coming to attack and kill innocent people. And you're going to pay for this. And Hashem will judge you, and you're on the wrong side of the halacha, on the wrong side of history. And Amon didn't listen. Does that mean that he didn't hear it? He heard it. He probably knew it was true. And he started lecturing that, no, it's ours, and you came, and you took it, and didn't go anywhere. But he tried. And we'll read one more Pasuk before we go to your sheets. Actually, uh, okay, we'll read one more Pasuk. If we read Lamed, uh, we're going to be here for a few hours. Vatehi al yiftach ruach Hashem, supreme compliment. Was Yiftach a Navi? So we already saw last week, the Marsha. He was an actual Navi, but Ruach HaKadosh of sorts, the inspiration. Tehi al Yiftach Ruach Hashem. That's quite an endorsement and a compliment. We don't know anybody 
we have ever um, seen that you could see a description that he goes out to battle, the odds are severely against him, and he understood, and the people watching him understood on our side, that he now has the Ruach Hashem, and he has tremendous Yat Hashemayim. V'yavr es Gilad ves Menashem, and remember the troops are waiting by the border, he bypasses everybody, takes his men, and goes all the way to Amun and attacks Amun on their home turf, which is a lot more dangerous. And there was obviously the strategy he wants to bypass and attack them by surprise, but dangerous to break through, dangerous to fight on enemy turf. And he realizes he's just got to do the basic Ashtadlis and the battle will be up to a Baruch of course. The Avra is Gilad, Sonasha, the Avra is Mitzvah Gilad, Mitzvah Gilad, Avra B'nai Amman. And as he's going, before he gets to the thick of the battle, he's going to make a neder, which is going to cause tremendous issues. We'll go to the sheet now, but for now, there is a concept of Nidre Zeros, Nidre Mitzvah. The Dharm are always dangerous, and you have to know what you're doing. You have to know the Hilchas Dharm. You have to know how to deal with the various things. You're being makabal and Loshainus, and that's going to be a big discussion. For now, to end on a positive note, he's going to have a very clear lightning victory. And. No, that's why I'm. I said I wasn't going to read Pasuk Lama, but I'm making mention of it. The neder has value to be mazares and to have schusim. He's not dreaming that there is such a concept. Just when you make nadarm, you've got to be very careful what you're saying. The Pella is, despite the fact that this neder is going to be a tremendous disaster, the war is going to be a tremendous success. In Ruchnius, he's going to show he's coming with the Dvar Hashem. He's not coming that I have a big army. He didn't have a big army. He had no army. He's gathering the army now. They had no general. They had no leader before the last period. He's coming with Dvar Hashem. He said, look at Chumash. Hashem gave this to us. What are you doing? with the Amenifcher. We weren't looking. We're very peaceful people. We took this over because Sichon attacked us. And you have an Avodah there. Let him take over lands for you. Go right ahead, but not here. And there's nothing to discuss. And you're wrong. So he's coming with the Hashem, tremendous kid Hashem, and he's going to have an astounding victory, which is going to be an ace. And as you're asking, that's at the time, nothing went wrong with the neder yet, but the time he made the neder, Klape Shemaim, you know, there's something inherently wrong and dangerous about this lotion. And he still has Siat Hashemaim, Basher Hashemaim, didn't do anything wrong yet. So, that's, that's real Midas HaRachamim. Not only the Klai Yisrael needs the Rachamim because they're starting to do tshuva, but they still have a lot to deal with. They have a leader who is a tzaddik, is brave, is tremendously focused on the mysterious nefesh he has to have. L'shem Shamayim. But not the God Ladar is an understatement. And the Amaratz's part of it is going to come back to haunt him and his leadership, but we're finishing off with the good news right now. Right now, he has an incredible victory. If you go to your single page, those listening online, we have um, this one here, actually. 
it was uploaded, so I think I assume you saw it. Uh, this the Arches Yesher, which I felt in the slots of the Talayayitz. This is the Musra Sefer, one of the many, many, many sfarm written by Rab Chaim Zatzal. On Inyane Musr Ashkafa. So, obviously, very apropos to see a little bit of what he says on the entry. This is Bay's Bittel Terror. Do we have a single sheet? Do we have enough there? Do we still have any left? If anybody doesn't have, there's. Give us chizuk uh, to increase our Talmud Torah, which Klai Yisrael has to do now just to make up for the Torah lost. Uh, Gadol Yisrael spent his whole life the Mekayim, what we're about to read. And all the Kaychus and all the Siat Deshmaya and everything came from his Limra Torah, his Asmada, his Kayach Torah, his Kayach HaChidush, and you look at his farm, he wrote on everything, and the depth, together with the clarity, and the hekif, just ayum v'negr. But you gotta, besides being very smart, that's not up to us, it actually is up to us, because uh, the more you daven for it, atachainin is a very important bracha, and that's why we start with that bracha. And yes, you can increase the uh, seichel, but it all depends on the Hasmada and the Mesiris Nefesh. And being born gifted is not even half the battle. Everything helps, but you need... There are many uh, very smart people, and they could do many things with that or do nothing with it. It depends on the focus and the Mesiris Nefesh for it and the amount of time you're going to put in and... The Timidius and the fact that uh, we get distracted by all sorts of Narish Kaiten uh, every hour on the hour is not a school of for general Vedas Hashem, and so they're not a school of for the biggest mitzvah, the Tamatari connected Kulam, not just also the mitzvah, but also the fact that it's the source of all Siyat Deshmaya. You know more, so you'll be more Madakti Palocha, but even if you're learning uh, Kachim and something is not Nagay to you right now, you're learning Trumas Amaisis, you live here in America, which is Nagay. When it comes, the fact that you're muster to using your whole head and all your emotions for Tamatera is the source for all the Siatashmaya, and that was the Kayach over here, which uh, collectively we have to make up for. So, let's see a small part. Oven bitoteru, oven chamer, and that's the reason. It's not an avera, as Alyssa say. There are many, many makaris. It's bad, but it's bad because it's such a missed opportunity that anybody doesn't recognize it. Anybody does it all the time. Bitoteru, that is, is not recognizing the godless of what they could do for themselves in the world. So therein lies the avera. It's a bizayin atera because if you recognize the godless of it, you'd be doing it more. And the fact that you're not shows that you don't have a full regard for what the opportunity here is. If it's one particular terror, one small piece of mutzer that you're going to learn, Sunday in America is the best time to learn it. Because you can't tie in a 
It's really, really amazing and inspiring. I'm going to think about it tomorrow or tonight after I get home from work because it's Sunday. So that's an opportunity. What are you going to... You leave today after, if you haven't already, then uh, time to learn more. And if you didn't yet, what are you going to do for the rest of the day? Well, how are you going to map it out? That doesn't mean increasing on a dime your schedule by 12 hours because your family might have a plan, but how are you going to integrate it? This is something practical you have to act on, especially the day of a Leviah where it's up to Klai's role to, for the own protection to make up, try to make up collectively a ke'en mixus of the uh, terror that's lost. This is not downplaying the severity of Arazar Gilarai Shvichas Namim. It's giving us a new focus on the Chashivas of Tamatera and the fact that all Siat in life is based on our attachment to learning. For the Nashim Sitkanius who might hear this year, the attachment to learning is the same as Sivas Nefesh. Sivas Nefesh is not less, sometimes it's more when, as the Gemara says, they're waiting for their husbands and children to come home, they're waiting to start the Sudib, is they're learning more, they're, they're waiting or they're encouraging, they're pushing in a way which is going to motivate all that is their nachla and uh, their shutfus. The severity of it is that it, it can chalila show that if you don't run after something, you don't partake in it, you don't realize the godless of what the opportunity is, and that's why you're not jumping in and you're not taking every available possible time. We spoke yesterday about the uh, Rabbi Yaakov's announcement, uh, who wants chocolate, and everybody said we. Right? So you don't have to encourage that. That comes naturally. He's going to say at the end of the shtickle, which we're not going to get to today, that kolos, kolos, kashos, and it's always a battle throughout life, but the more it's done, like anything else, that is positive and that is uh, crucial for living life, the more you do it, the more you understand that, and the more you feel it, and the more cheshek is available for it. Everybody's got to figure out what is their efsharis on any given day or week. But... Have to expand the horizons. We know Bitl is very bad, and Lima is a tremendous chus. More than a little jarring. It's quoting these are all Gemaras. He didn't get to the Zayas yet. Gemara's and Shabbos. Ba'avayim b'tlotera cher v'biza rabba v'dever b'tzerah is ba. Baruch Hashem, in the comfort of where we live, we don't feel this directly, but there are certainly people noticing there's things going around the world. Dever is a plague. And uh, b'tzerah 
is a shortage and a chayr from Biza, we know what it is. Layelena, it shouldn't uh, come to our backyard. We should see it from afar and take a lesson and uh, then we shouldn't see it. But the Gemara is giving you a prescription, a very clear one. Was a unique type of thing where there was a problem with the airflow, basically. And he goes on with another few descriptions. I want to mention two things because we're out of time. He mentions, speaking of battles, out of all the examples in Tanakh, it's probably one of the most pelvic. Yeshua ben Nun, this is Moshe Rabbeinu's Talmud. He was the Makabal HaTerah from Moshe Rabbeinu, and he was the nascent HaTerah in terms of transmitting it to the next Dar. So we have, okay, the Chazal, Moshe Rabbeinu Kachama, Yeshua Kilavana, there was a big contrast, but Yeshua ben Nun was bigger than anybody else. And he's very fo- focused on Tamatar's personal asmada, and the Achrayis are giving it over to Klai Yisrael. Layomush and Gisab Yamvalaila remind everybody was said to Yeshua. That's extra brachas. And we're all familiar that uh, the Gemara says that he was encamped on the night before a battle, and the battles were all derech nice, but they had to fight. It's the night before a battle. And you got thousands of tents around, and and the Malach comes, Yeshua ben Nun, who is familiar with Malachim, was frightened. He didn't know Halanu Litzarenu, didn't know how much danger he was in, and he was in danger. And the Malach said that I have two tainas, Emish Bitaltem the Tamid, the whole terror behind that, and now there's Bitzel Terror. It's two in the morning, the night before a battle. What Bitzel Terror? Yeshua Benon personally was learning, wasn't learning with the Amkus that uh, he could do, and the best magician in the camp wasn't open, the lights still weren't on. Understandably so, it's two in the morning, they're fighting a battle at dawn. And that was the Taina. So it's not just the Taina on straight Bittler Terror, the Taina is Klaesol needs the protection, and Klaesol needs to be growing even in a matzah before a battle, during a battle, and the battles that Yeshua fought were, most of them, Baruch Hashem, were over before they started. So as you're holding the sword, you could say to Hillam, you could focus on the enemy, and finally, that's three minutes, but we're getting some sleep before the battle, you would think that's a clear heter. And it wasn't. That, you would think of all, if you had to draw a picture of a commander-in-chief and the people who finally had a patur, somebody had a patur, but apparently too many people were using it. So... You need an honest assessment in every single matzah of what exactly is the Torah, what are your capabilities, what are your keiches, and people should not prav anivus when it comes to this area. They should realize that they're greater than they are and they have far more capabilities, and this kufa has to be used. Okay.